0: Uh, You will remember that we are currently in a sermon series that's uh, asking how we should live in light of the cross and the empty tomb. That uh, the crucifixion and resurrection then send us out in the world to live in a particular way, not to just go back to the same old thing. And so today we are reading from the Gospel of John, and it's chapter 10, and here verses 1 through 10. So uh, pull out your Bibles, uh, pull out your phones, and uh, go to John chapter 10. Very truly, I tell you, He goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate This is the word of God for the people of God. Last week, many of you may have seen a story about Prickles, the sheep. Now, in Tasmania, which is an island just south of Australia, there is... Uh, a lot of sheep herding and one of the sheep herding families during this stay at home time decided to go to the far edges of their property and there just outside the fence they saw this. Prickles who had escaped outside the gate in the fence in 2013 during the brush fires in Tasmania. For seven years, Prickles lived alone and isolated away from the flock and the shepherd and now has been brought back home. And for many, Prickles has been this uh, wonderful image of this time of isolation, stay-at-home. I know that a lot of us are looking a little rough around the edges, a little scruffy, uh, uh, because the the salons, the barber shops are closed. Uh, I know this because I Zoom uh, in Bible studies during the week, and I took a screenshot Last week of my Bible study, this is an actual screenshot, and as some of you may see yourself. You know, uh, uh, the problem with this live stream is I have no idea if anybody's even laughing, <laughs> except for me. And in fact, you know, there's, there's one sheep up there that's kind of laughing, which is, is a lot like when I tell a joke in a class, and everybody else just stares blankly at the screen, but one person gets it and starts to laugh. All right, so we're, we're feeling a little bit like prickles these days. We're feeling a little bit like these woolly sheep, I must say, including uh, myself. And so it is uh, no surprise when we come to a text today that talks about sheep and shepherds. I mean, the Bible is filled with sheep and shepherds, and Jesus uses sheep and shepherds over and over again to talk about our life in God. Now, of course, uh, ancient people would have related really well uh, to shepherds and sheep because ancient people... Uh, We're really familiar with shepherds and sheep. And you and I, unless we kind of grew up in the country raising sheep, we don't have much experience other than seeing those uh, little uh, fluffy, white, all look-alike sheep in, you know, Bible stories. And uh, for us today, Jesus would have to have a different kind of imagery uh, if he wanted us to have immediate experience with that thing. I mean, Jesus would tell uh, the story of the gate attendant and the airline passengers. Jesus would tell us the story of the barista and the angry latte customer. Jesus would tell us uh, the story of the dishonest auto mechanic. Right? Uh, you know, later in the day, y'all can come up with your own uh, parables that Jesus would tell. Call it a little pandemic fun, courtesy of Pastor Lane. In any case, when Jesus talks about sheep and shepherds, he's trying to use something that would be really familiar for these people. A shepherd would know that sheep have a pretty distinctive aroma. Not that pleasant the shepherd would know that sheep are not among the most intelligent of animals the shepherd would know that sheep have a herd mentality that they have a tendency to go along with the flock without really thinking about it and Jesus is trying to say people this is you you don't smell so good You're not as smart as you think you are. And you too often have a tendency to just go along with the pack without thinking. There is a reason that Jesus points to the sheep. And is it any wonder that the people go, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't get it. So when we turn to John chapter 10... You know, I know that you all already have this imagery of sheep and shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd, and the good shepherd will protect us. The good shepherd will guide us. The the good shepherd will lead us beside still waters and into green pastures. We get this idea of Jesus as the shepherd who is caring for his flock. So it makes no sense for me to spend a lot of time talking about what you already have planted in your minds. And of course, as you would know, I'm always wanting us to go a little deeper into the word. And so it is that today I have two things in this text that I really want to bring out for us to think about and to wrestle with in the week ahead. Because we're asking ourselves, how should I live? If after the crucifixion and resurrection, Jesus sends me out, what is it I'm supposed to be doing? And the first thing that this text points us toward is this idea of hearing the voice of the shepherd. Hearing the voice of the shepherd. Hearing from God we need to remember that this text in its original setting was talking to the religious authorities of that day to those who were having a hard time hearing god who had uh so much uh power to set the rules in the ways that they were hearing their own systems again and again and again. And and I find it really ironic that throughout the Old Testament, these people are always talking to God and hearing from God. And then when God is there in the flesh talking to them, they can't hear God. Well, well, well. There is God speaking out loud in the flesh and they cannot hear the voice of God. You see, you and I have lots of voices we hear. Now, uh, the scriptures say that for uh, the shepherd, the the sheep apparently can distinguish between shepherds' voices. In uh, the ancient world, they would often pasture Uh, flocks of sheep together and I guess if I'm a a lonely shepherd I probably would like that because there's other people to talk to but when the shepherd of one flock would speak the other flock would just ignore him kind of remarkable they could tune in on the voice of their shepherd and listen to what he was telling them and so it is that we are supposed to Focus in on the voice of the shepherd. But the problem is this. We have all the clamoring of society and social media, which is constantly telling us, here's how you're supposed to live. Do this, do this, do this. Hurry. Aren't you nervous? You're not getting it done. You're not living like everybody else. What's the matter with you? And then we have all these voices in our head that are telling us constantly, you want this, oh, you need this, you think this, this is important for you, you want you, you, you. Uh, you, We have this uh, internal narrative that's always thinking and talking about ourselves. You know it. Stop for a minute and try and clear your mind, and your brain's going, it never stops. And so we get to some kind of uh, important decision or difficult moment in our lives, and all of a sudden we're like, God, where are you? I want to hear from you. But all along we've been allowing all this other noise to get in the way of listening to God. I mean, we turn on the TV just to have background noise. We're talking to people all the time. When we pray, we're praying with words, but we're not sitting to hear back from God. And so if we want to hear the voice of the shepherd, if we want to hear God's word for us in our midst, we have to open up space to allow ourselves to hear the still, small voice, to practice that listening again and again on a regular basis. Uh, Clearly, worship is one way we do that because it's one of the few places where normally we kind of sit down and listen. Now, I know your minds wander, but at least there is some presumption of hearing from God. Yeah, and there's a pastor talking, but the, the, the basic idea is that somewhere God is speaking and we're listening. That's why we read the scriptures and study them so that we might hear from God and we pray and pray in a way that we open ourselves to listen and to hear what God would be saying to us because the more we're able to do that, the more familiar we become with the voice of the shepherd and know what direction we're supposed to go. And so there is this first important thing that says, are we opening up the space to hear from God? And particularly now when we're in the midst of this pandemic and we find uh, periods of isolation in ways we don't normally do, are we using this in some ways to allow us to listen and to hear from God right here, right now? Now, there's a second thing that I think this scripture really pulls out nicely for us, And it has to do with this claim that Jesus makes twice in the text when he says, I am the gate. I am the gate. Now, remember again that really he's uh, gearing his comments toward the religious authorities of his day, most likely. That's how the text seems to read. Who had made themselves gatekeepers. Uh, These are people who had set up what it means to be inside the gate in the community that's safe and those who are outside the gate and not welcome. Those who are worthy of God and those who are unworthy of God. Those who are clean, those who are unclean. Those who are holy, those who are not holy. And they had become the gatekeepers determining who's in, who's out. honest, Christians have done the same thing down through the centuries even to this very day. We do a great job all the time of deciding who's in and who's out, who belongs and who doesn't. And even though we at times say things like, you know, uh, I love everybody the same, I treat everybody the same, when somebody different is in our midst, that doesn't usually prove to be true because they make us uncomfortable. Uh, they're not, we're not sure that they're going to fit into to who we are, and, and, and we want this to be our place because we already feel comfortable and safe and, and happy as we are. It's like looking at prickles among the other sheep. You look at prickles and you go, "That that's one messy-looking, nasty sheep. But I know last Friday the shepherd sheared that sheep and Prickles is pretty much looks just like the rest of the flock now. We always have to know that when someone comes into our midst, whoever they may be, Jesus is ready to shear that sheep and say, "You belong You're one of us, welcome, please stay. Jesus, we think of as a gate at times where he's going to keep those of us in the flock safe and he's going to keep the others out. But of course, uh, the text even says, you know, thieves and bandits can jump over and get in among the flock. That's that's not what Jesus is doing. Jesus is opening up the gate. Jesus crucifixion and resurrection is opening up a gate that says there's a different way to live. Come on, everybody, come through the gate. I will show you we will live together in a way that's life-giving. When Jesus says he is the gate... He's not just the gate of the church. He's not just the gate of Christians. Jesus is the gate of the whole world. God so loved the world that he sent the gate. You know, it seems to me that in this time of pandemic, the spirit is trying to push open that gate. It seems to me not that God created the pandemic because God is a God of life. God doesn't deal with death. But it seems to me that God is letting the spirit move in a way that is opening up a space for resetting for seeing what's truly important, for seeing ourselves as connected in a global sense in ways we have not imagined ourselves in a long while. It seems to me that the gate is being flung open and people are saying, can we live better on the other side of this virus? Can we be different people better people, more compassionate people, more connected people, more life-giving people. Yesterday, I got an email from my brother. Now, my brother is a year and a half older than me, and I think of him as a um, uh, uh, perfect example of an absent-minded professor. Uh, When I was in college, my brother and I had been sharing a house. He uh, went on to his first uh, teaching position and he had left behind these great big jars of coins, quarters and dimes and nickels and I called him and I said, Bill, don't you want this money? And he said to me, he's an economist, he said, oh, it's just sunk cost. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, it doesn't matter to me in the least. And that coinage gave me bus fare for a year. And my brother is never married. Uh, I don't know if he's ever been in a, a really in a relationship. I you know he, he keeps to himself, he does his own thing. he marches to the beat of his own drummer and last May, when we gathered with our other sisters was the first time that I'd really had any conversation with him in more than 20 years. It's not like there's any kind of ax to grind, that's just my brother. So to get an email from him yesterday, I was like, what in the world? You must be updating your address book, because all it says is, is this still your address? (laughs) I say, he must be really bored (laughs) to be updating his address book. But later in the day came another email from him to me and our two sisters. And it said, I've decided to send each of you a key, which is made of copper and which you use to open doors, to touch keypads, And to keep yourself safe when you're out and about, and copper is the least likely thing to hold on to the virus. Blew my mind. My brother, who's always lived in his kind of his own isolated world, doing his own thing, thought about us and what would be life-giving and what would be good for us and took the time to go online, order them, and mail them to each of his siblings so that we might be safe. I think we are witnessing a spiritual opening right now we are witnessing an opportunity to live differently to live as people who really value life who who value the relationships and the connections with people we know and people we don't know we have this spiritual opening to walk through and show what it means to truly live in a way that leads to this abundant life that Jesus offers to the world. And so as we reach this moment where we begin to step back into our lives, we are faced with this question of will we listen to the shepherd's voice? Will we hear what God is asking of us? And will we push open the gate along with God's Spirit to invite the world into another way of living? To invite the world to see that there is abundant, abundant life in and through Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.